Aren't you glad he paid that debt? We're debt free, spiritually speaking. And uh, we're glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We didn't come here owing anything to the Lord. It's not what we can do for him this morning. It's what he's already done for us. And may he drop that revelation within our hearts. That it is a great thing that he did for me. It, it is a great thing. And, you know, this is a nice church. God bless you. That's all the singing we'll be doing. And uh, you're nice people. And uh, this is a nice atmosphere. But when we get on the other side, I'll tell you what. Then we'll really be appreciative. It is a great thing that He did for us. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. I think if I remember right, I was here on Wednesday night. And uh, uh, I was in Boston last weekend um, after coming home from Africa. And, uh, and the Lord gave us wonderful meetings. Brother Murphy went ahead to the uh, eastern seaboard, I guess you would call it, and, and uh, traveled in Connecticut and Rhode Island and ministered leading up to the Boston meetings. And so uh, I heard wonderful things about that. I was hoping that Brother Murphy was going to be speaking tonight so that he could talk about the Boston meetings. But uh, I want to bring you greetings from Brother David Combo in Boston, the pastor there. And the Lord gave us a real wonderful uh, set of meetings there in just outside of the city of Boston. Actually, outstanding meetings. And, and I come away from the meetings convinced that the devil doesn't like me. Everywhere I've gone in the last month, we've had weather issues. And Boston last weekend had a snowstorm, about uh, 10, 12 inches of snow, and, and all of those wonderful things that come with winter. And, uh, and so that actually didn't hinder us, but it hindered some of the people from traveling into the meetings. And so we just appreciate everything that the Lord did for us and appreciate your prayers. And I heard that and, and was able to look, take a look a little bit at the wonderful service that was here also on the American Thanksgiving weekend. The Lord's good to you. Amen. And this morning it, uh, we want to, um, Talk about the things that God is doing in different places of the world. And, uh, but we, we can't just talk about, uh, what is now history. But even if it's just history from 24 hours ago, it's still something that God has done. But He's right here this morning and desires to reveal to us faith from His Word. And so let's stand together and take our Bibles this morning and and turn to the other to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as i speak this morning i'll i'll turn to the mission field at some point in time and uh just begin to go through a, quite a number of testimonies and uh i'm going to share some things and i'm going to actually this morning do more sharing of of the uh, natural needs that are amongst the people and the price of those needs or the need for financial support, not with the purpose of pulling for money, but rather I just will put it out there believing that the Lord is able to put 
the burden on somebody's heart that he wants to, if he wants the work to be done. And so it's not uh, money that I have in my pocket, uh, neither that we have in the missions account, but as you see the needs, and as if I mention specifically some of the things, I don't want you to be offended by that. This is not about money. God doesn't operate by money. But this world operates by money. And so we just believe that God is able to meet all of our needs according to His riches and glory. And so uh, uh, you'll hear some specific needs. You'll hear some specific testimonies. And uh, as we share the record of what God is doing, and even what God did on this trip, we trust that it'll be a blessing to you. So let's bow our heads together and approach our great Savior and Redeemer this morning as we are ready to turn back the pages of His Word. If you have a need this morning, this isn't just about overseas needs. You're here this morning, and the Lamb of God is here this morning. If you have a need, why don't you just hold that before the Lord as we pray. Heavenly Father, are you know more about us than we know about ourselves. And as we bow in your presence this morning, we're mindful and we're very careful because we serve a great God that is beyond our understanding. That Lord, as much as you have revealed to us, there are there is more about you that we don't know and we often don't see the great things that you are doing and the great workings of your power in the earth that goes beyond the scope of man's ability to understand. But Lord, you've allowed us to live in these last days where there is more revelation than there has ever been amongst the bride of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this opportunity We thank you for the blessing of being a part of the bride in this day. We thank you, Lord, for the the enlightenment upon our eyes. And, Lord, how not you not only have quickened us by your Spirit in what we call the new birth, but also, Lord, in that new birth, you are bringing revelation upon revelation to loose the power that you have placed within our lives. And Lord, I pray that as we read from your word and as we speak of these things, you alone who are the revealer, Lord, that you even know the secrets of the hearts, you know the needs, you know exactly a word that would loose, Lord, a captive or would would bless the hearer that would give faith to someone in need this morning. May you just direct this service the way that it ought to go. We want to surrender to you now. We give our notes to you. We give our thoughts to you. We give everything into your hands that your will might be done and that you might have the preeminence. And so now we ask that you'll move supernaturally amongst us, not only here but out over the internet and even amongst those that would hear these words in the days ahead. Because the words of a man will fail, but the words that you speak, Lord, they are spirit and life. And so take the preeminence, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're turning. Hebrews 11, and we'll begin now at verse 24. By faith, 
Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. In just verse 25, we could minister, but it's not our subject. Three things are presented to us there. The people of God, the pleasures of sin, and a choice. And Moses chose to suffer with the people of God. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Now Moses saw something that that most people had trouble seeing. And we know if we would speak about Moses this morning that we're speaking about a prophet. And a prophet, it does not become a prophet at some point in his life. A prophet is born a prophet. And so though Moses was uh, born under a sign, though he was put into the water and drawn from the water by Pharaoh's daughter and took as her own, nourished up by his mother, and then grew up in the palace of Pharaoh, he was a prophet from his birth. He was a prophet when he was in his parents' house. He was a prophet when he was in Pharaoh's house. He was a prophet in every day of his life. And he can't, couldn't get away from the gift that was in him. And he maybe didn't always understand himself and didn't understand the purpose of it, didn't understand the reason of it. But that could be said of every son and daughter of God. You were, you were, did not become a son of God. You did not become a daughter of God when you came to the altar. You did not become a son of God when you came into this church. You did not become an attribute of God just because you believed something or something was revealed to you. You always were an attribute of God. You were born an attribute of God. Didn't matter what house you were raised in. Didn't matter if you were in a foster home. It didn't matter if you were out on the streets. It didn't matter what kind of a background you had. You always were an attribute of God. Nobody could take that away from you and nobody could give it to you. Because you were in the mind of God and your name was written on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. That's who you are. But you maybe didn't understand it. You maybe still don't understand it. You maybe still are wrestling out with with how God is dealing with your life, with the things that God is leading you through. You might be young and still in grade school, wondering what good is it to learn algebra, and what difference does it make if you know what a noun and a verb is, and an adverb and an adjective, and all of those kind of things. You might wonder, where is this all leading? What is the purpose in my life? You might be in in university and going through a degree, or a, a post-degree, post-graduate, or Whatever more it might be. You might be working. You might be in a marriage. You might be in a home. You might be having children. Your children might be grown. You might have grandchildren. You may have great-grandchildren. They may be in every different situation in life and still wrestling. But what is the real purpose of God for me? But before Moses could find that purpose, he had to make a decision. He had to choose. I will choose the way with the despised few 
rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because the Bible says he forsook Egypt, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Alright, so he's looking at something that, that most people were not seeing. When he looked at the, the mud daubers, when he looked at the children of Israel, he wasn't seeing what Pharaoh saw. Alright, now I wanna just take a thought now that Brother Branham brings out in the message Look or in the message Victory Day. Two different titles that he uses the same thought. But he begins to speak about Moses. And he says he looked upon them as a promised people. That's a statement we've all heard before. And so as he looked upon the children of Israel as a promised people, he's looking beyond the natural. He's looking beyond their attire. He's looking beyond where how they gather. He's looking beyond their occupation. He's looking into the unseen realm. He's looking to the invisible God. He's seeing that God has a promise in these people. I'm seeing that God has a promise in these people. I'm seeing that it's not something that we're trying to push ourselves into. Hello? But rather God is pushing us into it. We didn't come into this message because we figured it out. God pushed us into this message. God made us believe it. God revealed it to us. It wasn't based on some natural event. It was based on the spiritual revelation of the Word of God. Because against that, only will the gates of hell not prevail. And upon this, the church is built. And so Moses, as he viewed these potentials of a chosen people, he viewed the potentials in these people in their weakest state as to be greater than the present manifestation of the wealth of Egypt. Are you hearing me? He looked at a people... That to anybody else in the world, and even in this day, if they were to be able to look back there and see those people, they'd say, I don't see anything. There's nothing there. But Moses saw something. Even the scripture when it says, uh, where it says he had recompense or respect unto the recompense of the reward, another, another approach to those words would be, he looked forward and away to the reward. He looked beyond the people. He looked beyond the present circumstances. And he saw something coming that was greater than could be described. That was more than the world had to offer. But I'll even make it more than that. It answered to his soul calling that nothing else in the world could answer to. Not women. Not money. Not partying. Not access to anything, living any kind of a life with all power that rested in his hands. He saw something that was greater than that. His thoughts were guided by revelation or faith. And then we live in an age where people spend their lives and their energy to become like Moses in Pharaoh's palace. We live in an age where the news is filled with billionaires and their conquests. Just read an article of what it's going to take to make the first trillionaire. And that's that's just on the horizon. 
of men and women and their conquests of money and, 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 uh, and that they lay that out before the people in the news media and in the social media and this is how to make money and this is how to get rich and this is how to have whatever you want. I'll tell you something. Moses looked at that and he said, that's not how to have whatever I want. But rather he looked at a people despised by the world and said, that's how to have what I want. Come on. You know, they lay it out before us in great educational conquests and, and degrees and degrees upon degrees and great scientists and great discoveries and all of those kind of things. And, and I read an article recently how that, you know, they, they discovered now that you know, really, when they're looking out into space, that that the universe is actually, I don't even know, I can't even remember the way they described it, but it was circular. And that really, when they look far enough out into space, that the curvature of light, they're going to be looking right back at themselves. And this is a great scientific discovery of our day. But a prophet already said that 50 years ago. He says, one day they'll discover... That when they look out, he said 150 million light years. He didn't know how many light years. He just threw out a number. 150 million light years out into space. They're actually turned around looking at themselves. Light traveling in a circle. So which one has more potential? Brother Branham said he looked upon them as a promised people. He looked upon them as a people that had a promise. No matter how much the world that day looked down upon them as a bunch of, a bunch of mud daubers or slaves. He looked upon them as a people having a promise. In other words, Moses was not saying, I'm above them. He was not saying, you know what, if they could just come up to my level. You know what, I, I don't like, the uh, look at all the mistakes amongst them. Look at all the arguments amongst them. Look at all the things that they're going through. Look at all the, the bad parts of their life. You know, why? what kind of mistakes did they make to get themselves into this kind of a situation? And here they are in this awful situation. That's not how Moses looked at it. He didn't look at himself as a great leader and say, you know, I can lead them out of this into a situation more like my situation. No, he was looking at them saying, you know what? I need to be like them. I need to come amongst them. I need to see what it is that God sees in them. Hello? You know, you might look around you in a congregation. Now, now we know that this congregation is perfect. But, you know, you might look around you in a congregation and say, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I know what this one's going through, or I know what that one's going through, or I know what the trouble is here, or I know what the trouble is there. But you need to look beyond that. You need to be able to let God lift you up and see what God sees in that person. On the natural, we might look at it and say, I don't see very much there. But that's not what Moses was looking at. And that's not what we want to look at this morning. What does God see in those people? Why is God pleased to write their name before the foundation of the world? Why is God pleased to bring His word by their way? We might even look at ourselves and say, why is God pleased to call me? 
and bring me into this light. My family didn't believe this. My family is a bunch of reprobates. I could go back in my history, which I would not be very proud of, just knowing the little that I know about it. And yet in the midst of all of that, somehow, somehow, God saw me and said, that's mine. Hallelujah. That one's mine, and that one's mine, and that one's mine. And the world walks by you every day and says, I don't see nothing. Why do you go to church three times a week? Don't you know you could make more money if you didn't go to church so often? Why, why are you, you know, so hung up listening to these tapes? Don't you know you should be studying for your degree and all this kind of stuff? Why do you spend time in prayer? My, you ought to put more energy in your education, more energy in your business, more energy in your job. You can really get someplace. But there's something different about these people. Hallelujah. There's a promise. Pharaoh looked upon them out of the same window, but he seen slaves. Moses seen the victory. Why? He had focused himself. Though being a prince, though heir to the throne of God, he focused himself away from the lust of the world. Hello. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Been spending a lot of time on that. Focus himself away from the lust of the world. And he didn't have the Holy Ghost. But he focused himself away. You need to focus yourself away from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. You need to let the Word of God focus you on the realities of the supernatural, that there's a promise in this age that there'll be a bride who will take a rapture. Hallelujah. This is not just speaking about pie-in-the-sky promises, but we're going to bring it right down to where we live this morning. He focused himself away from the beauty and the power that he had within his own potentials to receive. He focused that out until he seen a blessed people down there by the promise of God. He focused in because he knowed that God promised Abraham that he would visit his people. God promised us there'd be a rapture. I'm focused on that. Are you focused on that this morning? Say, oh, brother Tim, there's so many things happening. I got news for you. There's not a lot happening out there. It's, it's called a treadmill. It just keeps recirculating and recirculating. There's really nothing new under the sun. It's just the devil's treadmill to keep you going without get, getting anywhere. He says, he says he focused that out until he said, bless people down there by a promise of God. He knew that God promised Abraham he would visit his people. He knew that he was raised up for that purpose and he focused it all out. Moses looked by faith. That's how Moses looked. Now listen to this remark. Now don't forget to get this now. Faith is designed to see what God wills and wants. There is no knowledge that can do that. Faith alone is designed and give to the human race to find out what the will of God is. So there's only one way to find the will of God. Faith or revelation. 
As God reveals it to you, let's not ever underestimate the importance of revelation in our lives. And zeroing in on the thoughts of God as my subject this morning is focusing on the thoughts of God or focusing on the mind that has wisdom as we've been ministering or focusing that this mind that was in Christ would be in you. He says, then when that faith that's in you focus you to this word, you're focused away from all denominations and creeds and everything, and you're focused right straight on the Word of God. You're zeroed in. How many would want God to zero you in this morning? Lord, just dial me right into the center of your will. Focus my thoughts right in. Listen, you're distracted. You are distracted. Don't ever think you're not. The battle is against the distraction. Not just young people with their phones and computers in their hand. It's, it's every day. You know, it's always the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that chokes out the seed word from being fruitful in our lives. So why is it the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches? It's not that they're more powerful than the word. It's that we get distracted by them. Our attention, the devil tries to draw it. And the more he can gain our attention, the less we fulfill the potentials that are within us. All right. So we need to focus ourselves. We need to get zeroed in and we need help. Lord, help us this morning. Zero in on the purpose of God for my life. Oh, what would it be like to have a whole church of people that are, have a solitary focus on God's perfect will? I'll tell you what, it'd be an invincible army is what it would be. Lord, help us. Listen, we all get distracted. I'm not being critical. I'm saying that's where the battle is. The only thing it needs is a little touch off, Brother Adam says. Then that prayer flies straight in the presence of God because there's nothing to stop it. Yes, that's what it does when you're zeroed in with God, focused in, by then you're looking at the target. There's a target. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. There's a target. Are you pointed at the target? Or do you just know there is a target? It's not just knowing there's a target. It's being pointed at the target. Being zeroed in. Let's go to the slides. So I want to ask you this morning as we're focusing ourselves to the thoughts of God. What do you see? I'm going to start with this picture. I showed this one actually to you last missions report I did. But it's in the same general area. It's not important what country it's in. But what do you see? What are you looking at? Are you looking at a poor people in a third world country that are worshiping God? They're gathering together for a meeting and they're, they, they're using whatever meager resources they have to worship. That's all right. But what do you see? I see unlimited potential. I see a few of you agree with me. I see sons and daughters of God. I see attributes of God that were in the thoughts of God since before the foundation of the world. 
I don't look at the natural that just says, oh, well, you know, it's it's nice. They have a roof over their heads. They're worshiping. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. We carry on. No, these are sons and daughters of God that were meant to receive the message of the hour. They were, they were, it's not just good for them. They were meant to receive this message. They were ordained for this message. They are ordained for this age just as much as you are. And they might speak a different language, but they're ordained to hear this message. They're ordained to receive the life-giving resource. They're ordained to receive the supernatural part. You know, Brother Branham said in the message, uh, spiritual food in due season. He said, you know, uh, everybody was busy doing their thing. And I'm just paraphrasing now. I have the quote here somewhere, but I don't want to look it up. He says, they were battling against things. But they didn't realize that God had raised up a man to give them the very thing they needed to combat the things they were fighting. That's what this message is. It's given of God supernaturally and sovereignly to give you and give them the ability to combat what they are fighting. Amen. That's God's way of operating. I see, I look at these people, I trust, like Moses looked at the children of Israel. I see the elect of God, predestinated before the foundation of the world to fulfill Scripture in our day. I look at them and I say, this day this Scripture is fulfilled. Moses looked at Israel, children of Abraham, and said, oh, may it be this day that that promise is fulfilled. And this day we're living in an hour where God is fulfilling His Word in many places of the world. And we could, we're just going to zero in. We're just going to focus in on just a few countries this morning that I was at recently because of uh, the different uh, uh, way that the Lord led us. And I want to just start. I didn't go to Ethiopia first, but I want to start with Ethiopia because Ethiopia itself is something that... Uh, was sovereignly opened up by God. And you know the story how that in 2013 there was three brothers, one on the phone, one by email, one in person, within one week that contacted myself and said, Brother Tim, what are we doing for Ethiopia? And when I saw that or heard that or experienced that, My reaction was, God is trying to focus our attention here. You see, it's a focus now. This is, we're catching the thoughts of God. One brother didn't know the other brother was saying anything and, 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 but something was happening supernaturally behind the scenes. It's not who this brother was or who that brother was or who the other brother was. That's not important. But God was focusing our attention that He was thinking about Ethiopia right now. And that's how the work began, and you know the story how God uh, uh, allowed us to be in contact with Brother Basabozi, how that he was getting married, and uh, I kind of, um, I don't know if tricked him is the right word, but uh, I kind of said to him, I says, how about I send you to Ethiopia for your honeymoon? And, and he thought that was a great blessing, but I had other objectives in mind. And, uh, and so he went in and God used him. We know that three people were saved and baptized on his honeymoon. And I know nobody was saved on my honeymoon. And, uh, and so I knew that was supernatural. Amen. Amen, brother Marco. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a supernatural work and God knows the right man for the job. 
And so God raised him up and sent him into the country. And now they've made, changed the laws so that he could not stay in the country because he doesn't have a uh, degree from a recognized theological institution to be in the country as a foreign minister. And so, uh, I don't mean a foreign minister of government, I mean a minister from a foreign country. And uh, so he's, he's, uh, he's now back in Uganda, but that was how the work began. And the work is spreading there, and I, I had the opportunity on this trip to travel to the, uh, the town or the city of Hawassa, which is towards the south where the second group is raising up and in uh, Brother Timothy's house. He was a deacon in the church in Addis Ababa. He's actually Kenyan, but now God's using him. He works down there with his business, got transferred down there. And uh, and in his house, there's there's people that are beginning to believe the message of the hour. And uh, this is him and his wife here. And they have a wonderful family there. And just uh, the other day, received a report of more people in Hawassa being baptized. And so that was since I've been home even. And so we we went, and I, I need to just slow down a bit because I'm going to miss some important details. <laughs> we went from Addis Ababa. You know, it's it's amazing how God works. It's just amazing how he works. And uh, the brother Mogus, uh, he he got a hold of me after I was in Angola or while I was in Angola and says, well, can you take the Wednesday night service? And uh, I said, well, I actually don't get into Ethiopia until nine o'clock Wednesday night. And I said, so I, it's a, I think a five or six hour flight from Angola to Ethiopia. And so he said, Okay, well, uh, then we we do want to go down to Hawassa, and we're just making arrangements. And I wasn't really thinking about it at the time, but now I'll tell you the t- the details. Brother Mogus, one of his burdens has been that he was married to his sister in Kenya, but had been unable to move her to Ethiopia uh, because of different circumstances. And we recently helped him to solve some of those circumstances. Now. Last time I was there, which was in April, I, in the last service, I prayed for him. His wife was not there, but I, I said, I prayed for Brother Mogus and I said, Lord, let it be the next time that I preach here, let his wife be here. Now, if I'd have preached Wednesday night, she would not have been there. But on Friday, she officially moved to Ethiopia. And in the service on Sunday, she's now part of the assembly. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so he was mentioning this to me uh, about the prayer. And then I remembered if I'd have been there on Wednesday, she wouldn't have been there. So sometimes all the circumstances just have to fall into place for God to answer your prayer. And you might wonder, well, would I, cause I was actually thinking when he got a home, why doesn't he just change the service to Thursday? I thought, you know, that would make sense to me, but I didn't want to tell him what to do. And, uh, and so what, instead we went down to Hawassa and then came back and et cetera, et cetera. And so his wife was there in the first service we preached in Addis Ababa. So we thank God for that. And I'm really happy for Brother Mogus and Sister Mercy, his wife, and they have a little child. And here we are with the group that gathered there in Ethiopia. And uh, how that, uh, this is just outside the church. This is about half the church there in Addis Ababa. The day that I was there, they had a marathon running in the city of Addis Ababa. 
which tied up all the public transportation. So some of the believers that were on the other side of the marathon or on the other side of the city were unable to get to service because they couldn't get transportation to be in church. And, that, and this is where I became convinced the devil just doesn't like me. And uh, and so he they were unable to have a full church, but we nevertheless we had a wonderful day in the house of the Lord. And these are the believers. Uh, Brother Mogus' uh, wife is the sister that's on the left side of the screen, uh, which would be on my right in the picture, and that's their little baby there. Uh, it's interesting. The man in the back with the turban. We have no idea who he is. <laughs> <laughs> he was just on the street and wanted to get into the picture. <laughs> and turns out he was from Yemen and uh, he was Arabic. And, and so I thought, well, maybe God's going to save this guy because he just hung around us. And, and uh, he was just attracted by the believers there. So God bless him. He was happy to be amongst us. Praise the Lord. One of the things, you know, as a church grows and as the work becomes established in Ethiopia, obviously, what we're doing now is we're renting a, a, a facility for them here in the basement of this building. You go in that door and then you go down some stairs. And I told them, I says, you may be in the basement now, but God has ordained that one day you will be in the top of the New Jerusalem, sitting in the throne with the Lord Jesus Christ. You might feel like the lowest of the low now, but it's not always going to be that way. And and we rent this facility for them because they're just a small group, a poor people in a very expensive city. And uh, the cost, Brother John's been there, so he knows the expensiveness of the city. And and so we, we actually pay about $12,000 a year to rent this place for them, for them to have meetings in. And it's the only place that we rent for meetings. The group in Hawassa, they're meeting in a house. and and uh, But the Lord willing, I, t- I said to them, I will mention your need. And that is, this is kind of what happens in the city of uh, uh, Addis Ababa. This is now out on the outskirts where development is happening. Those of you that are uh, familiar with real estate, and uh, they, they have... Uh, uh, I don't know, brother, if you can change my view here. Oh, I have the notes here. I was looking for those notes. I see them now. But you can have a plot of land 66 by 80. So that's kind of a little bit dimensions, different dimensions than we have here. But that's that's the plot of land that you see. One of these fenced-in blocks costs $117,000. So it's not cheap. But it's a lot cheaper than here. But nevertheless... It's not cheap. And the reason I, that I say these things is they're going to outgrow the basement. I told them that all I can do is present the need. I says, I, can, I don't have the money to give you. I said, but if God puts it on somebody's heart that, that this will be a burden for them, then God will uh, provide for your need. And, uh, and or God will provide it right there in the midst of Ethiopia. God's raising up believers that have decent jobs and they're, they've been able to pay for some of their translation and some of the different work that they're doing, some of the printing costs that they're, they're working with there. And so I said to them, I says, we stand with you. And I said, regardless of what you're doing, these are the main brothers now there in Ethiopia. On the left is Brother Gurme. 
then the next, then myself, and then next to me, Mother Mogus, who's the uh, the main minister there. He's not officially the pastor yet. He's officially still the assistant pastor to Brother Basabosi. That transition hasn't fully taken place. And then Brother Asegid, he's a he has now his own school. He just started his own uh, uh, school of accounting, and uh, the Lord is using him in translation in Amharic. A real wonderful brother, and I think that in front of him may be a future preacher. I don't know, but uh, you know, just a real, real solid work that is raising up there. They've done over sixty translations in three different languages. It's just a small work, but they're burdened for the work. And so God bless them. They're busily working on the church age book in Amharic right now. And uh, that's getting closer and closer to completion, which will be a, a great boon for them because that will also give them all of the tracks in the main Amharic language there in Ethiopia. Amen. So pray for the work in Ethiopia. It's, it's not the numbers that we're seeing in other places. It's the beginning of the work. And I told the brothers there, what's happening now in Ethiopia is what we saw in Uganda in the 80s. All right, that was the very beginning of the work in Uganda. And so that's what's taking place in Ethiopia. God is doing mighty things, not just saving people, but really grounding them in the Word of God. These brothers are in the Word. Brother Mogus, he's in the Word all the time and, and going through message after message after message and it's just producing the life of Christ in the bride of Jesus Christ there. So praise be to God. That is uh, a wonderful work there. Brother John Andes has been there and we, we thank God for what God is doing there and the opportunity to be a part of it. So remember those needs that are there. Next, I want to talk about the first country I went to. And that, and really the reason for the trip, because uh, the Lord focused our thoughts on Angola a couple of years ago while we were in Germany. Now, while we were in Germany there, uh, at a convention, Brother Biskel was approached by several brothers uh, from Angola expressing a need, a great need for message books in Angola. And so that, that kind of began to stir the pot. We weren't really in touch with the believers in Angola. Then there was a, a brother by the name of Brother Jean Baptiste, who is a pastor of a large church there near the capital city of Luanda, and uh, which also is a very expensive city. And uh he traveled all the way from Angola to come to meet with Brother Biscoll here and to meet him in person. And uh, and we met just on the U.S. side because he only had a U.S. visa, not a Canadian visa. And so we were down there with some of the brothers. These brothers here were there and they were a witness to that meeting. And so then, then he went home. And then uh, this family called Oyotola, moved here to Cloverdale. And little did we know, but Brother George, who is here, stand up, Brother George, so people know who I'm talking about, because you're not always here. <laughs> Thank you, Brother George. The reason Brother George is not always here is because he got a job with an oil company in Angola. All right? And so you can see things now begin to come into focus. And then, uh, just a few months ago, 
Brother Fabronio was here from Brazil. He felt a burden to come and see Brother Biscoe, and he was here. And one of the things that he shared with us was the work that they had done for Angola and the printing of books and a container of books that they had sent over to Angola and all of the work because Angolans uh, speak and read Portuguese just like Brazilians and just like Portugal and Mozambique. And there's a few countries in the world. Portuguese is not really what we would consider a great worldwide language, but the country of Angola is tied to Portuguese because obviously it had been a Portuguese country. So because of all that, I've tried for the last couple of years, I guess, Brother George, really since you've been there, uh, to try and arrange a trip to into Angola to see for myself. You know, you have to go and be on the ground and be with the people and sense their spirit and, and try to get a hold of what's really happening and try to let the Holy Spirit lead you in making connections and, and understanding the real scenario there. And so I wanted to be there in Angola and it's not easy to get a visa to Angola. And so we, we were able to, I was able to by God's grace. And so the, this trip was really arranged around the trip into Angola. And so we, I went there, and yet it was a strange thing because uh, two of the major brothers were out of the country at that particular time. Just before that I got there, Brother Jean-Baptiste had to travel with his wife to try and get medical attention. They're older, and they had traveled out of the country to try and gain some medical attention for his wife. And then another brother, uh, uh, and I don't want to say his name wrong, but I'll say Kamalandu. Is that close? And uh, he has one of the larger churches there. And we also wanted to meet with him. But he had gone out of the country for other reasons just at this particular time. So it seemed kind of strange to me. I'm just being honest with you. I'm open with you. It just seemed kind of strange. But I thought, you know what? We put so much into this. I just feel like somehow God's in it. And really, the I could see the purpose was to not be caught up with what we'll call the big ministers, but rather to meet the everyday people and to be in contact with the everyday believers in their different walks of life and in their different burdens. And so we went into Angola. We had already uh, helped to establish, Brother George had helped us to establish some believers in the United States at uh, Brother Homer Langoria's church had helped us to establish a second print station in the country. And we're looking at a third print station in the country. And so we we spent a little bit of time, firstly, uh, to meet the brothers. And on the left is Brother William and his his main man, Brother Timothy. Uh, uh, great name. And uh, he... Uh, He's in charge of the printing, the printing station that's sponsored by the believers in Arkansas. Brother Jason Jackson. And, uh, and so there, that's a great work that's ongoing. And they, and they gave me some little tips of how they're, uh, what the needs are and what the burdens are. I don't want to belabor this here. Then we, later on in the week, we also went to the, uh, print station that Brother Jean Baptiste has installed, which you see on the right there at the bottom, and some of the some of the books that you see printed are there at the top. And so they've been busily printing for the many believers that in a, are in Angola, and I, I'm happy to report that 
there are not as many believers as we thought. Now, why are you happy? Because that means we don't need as many books as we thought we needed. <laughs> and uh, But there are still, probably all told, over 100,000 believers in the country. And I'll explain where I get that number. There is known to be about 80,000 believers amongst the brethren that we were amongst. But we also know of other brothers who are maybe not associated with these brothers. And so we're, instead of approaching a million, we're somewhere between 100,000 and 200,000, but that's still a great need. Amen? And so it may be something that we can uh, work on with print stations. Uh, I have been in contact with the brothers in uh, Brazil, uh, Brother Fabronio and the brothers there that visited here, and also a Brother Daniel that works with him there. And they're going to be sending another container, and I've committed to them that we will help them with the cost of shipping the container to expedite. They've been waiting for funds to be gathered. I says, we'll send you an offering uh, of some thousands of dollars so that you can get that container over there to Brazil over there to, excuse me, to Angola as quickly as possible because I'll give you a testimony. Over in Angola, this is the church of Brother Jose, which is Brother Jean-Baptiste's son. A little ways out of the city, not too far, maybe about an hour by road and, and uh, a real nice assembly there. And, uh, I was, I ministered there a couple of times. Uh, I, th- I can't remember the days now. I'm sorry, they're all blending together. But the last time, was it Tuesday night? Was it Tuesday night that I was ministering there? And, and I was ministering on a subject uh, of Christ is the mystery of love revealed, a subject that I've preached here. And as I was ministering, and these are now understand that these are now established believers for the most part. Okay, they are real believers. And as I'm ministering, brother Tom, you'll appreciate this. Uh, I, I directed them and I says, you know, this comes. My thought is centered around what brother Branham said in the message: Christ is the mystery of God revealed. And I begin to describe some things out of that message to the people, and I could see that the response wasn't exactly there. And I, I, I stopped and I said, now how many of you have read the message, Christ is the mystery of God revealed? Not a single hand went up. I turned to the pastor. I said, do you have Christ the mystery of God revealed in Portuguese? And the interpreter interpreted to him and he just went like this. I was smitten. I was smitten. And I, I got home to my hotel room that night and I looked it up on the message hub. That message is available in Portuguese. But they don't have it in a book. How many have read that message? Brother Tom's ministered on it a lot. We've ministered on it a lot here. It's one of the prize messages inside of this message. It's one of the most outstanding where Brother Brown says, we have the answer to the devil's question. And he just labors on that the entire message. And, I, and I'm thinking, here's a whole group of people that have never set eyes on that message. I thought, oh God, we got to get him that message. 
we got to get them the message of the hour so they can read it and digest it. How are they going to know what bride is if they're not feeding on the message? It's not just going and preaching and I can preach and other preachers can preach and all of that kind of stuff. That's all wonderful. But get the word into their hands. I said, oh, Lord, help us. And so we've been in contact with another brother, Brother Kamalandu, who wants to uh, do printing also. And, and you know what? We're 100% supportive of it. And I don't know uh, exactly what the costs are going to be, but it's, it's going to be in the thousands of dollars. These churches have committed to supporting a great portion of it themselves. But they need help with equipment. They need help with some supplies to get them off the ground. And then they'll take it from there and run with it. And print the message for their people. Because there are thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of believers in Angola that have not read some of the wonderful messages you and I have read. That has changed our lives. Right, right. Exactly right. Lord, help us. To help them in some way. The thoughts were confirmed with these brothers. These are minister brothers that we had a minister's meeting there on Monday. And uh, I'm just looking at Brother George because he was there. And uh, so uh, we, after the Sunday meetings, we had uh, this minister's meetings. It was a wonderful time of fellowship with these brothers. Just spoke to them a little bit and then took questions and answers and just... A real wonderful spirit of faith in the Word of God. And they just love the Word of God. And so we're just real happy to have had this opportunity. Some of them are elder brothers. Some of them are young brothers. But they're ministers of this end time message. And so may God bless them abundantly. We were very glad to be with them there. And Sunday night we were at the church of Brother um, Jean-Baptiste. This is his church now. The elder brother who was away. and so, But we ministered at their church nonetheless. Now, uh, you'll notice the church is unfinished, and it's kind of almost an allegory or a type of the bride in Africa. Lots of work has been done, but it's not finished. And uh, I, they, of course, thought that uh, money grew on trees here. No, I'm, I'm not serious, but... They, they, you know, thought that money was no problem over here and they just said, you know, we could use a hundred thousand dollars to finish this church. <laughs> I thought, wow, couldn't we all? <laughs> and, uh, and you know, they're just sincere. They're, they're just, they're not begging. They're just saying, this is what our need is. And I said, well, let me tell you what we are. Bible believers or Cloverdale Bible Way, which Bible believers is of Cloverdale Bible Way, is, uh, is not an entity that has deep pockets. But what we are, is we are, we hear about and investigate and come in contact with needs in different places of the world. And we take that, and as the Lord leads us, we express that and magnify that and communicate that to other parts of the world that have money. And I says, if God puts it on someone's heart over here to help someone over there, I says, we're just the middleman. We're just the ones that take the funds and, and put it into the project and hold you at your end accountable for the funds that have been sent to you. So that we can report back to the people that give and say, this is where your money has gone. 
And so we, we treat that very, very seriously. And so I told them, I says, I don't have a hundred thousand for you, but I'll tell the people. And I says, if the Lord puts it on somebody's heart, you pray and be it unto you according to your faith. Amen. So we are looking to the Lord, especially for the printing work. And I will say our focus in missions is getting the message out. It's not building churches. Uh, there's always going to be a need to build churches. As long as we live here in the last days, there'll be new people coming in, especially in poor countries, need places of shelter, all that kind of stuff. There's brothers that their burden is for that, and, and we help on occasion, which you'll see in Uganda. But yet the, our real burden is to get the message into the bride's hands. That's our major burden as far as missions go. Is this okay this morning? All right, let's go to this little country called Uganda. And what a country it is. It, it is... Um, we put out the latest BFCR and we said the revival continues unabated. I think that's how we worded it. And then the brothers in Africa said to me, what does unabated mean? <laughs> and I'm thinking... Okay, I think we maybe chose the wrong word there. I hope you know what unabated means. It means without hesitation or without slowing down. And so uh, we have that uh, testimony even from this trip. I said to Brother Stephen, Brother Fred, I said, I couldn't be on your continent and not stop by. And so we certainly made Uganda part of this itinerary. So we... We landed in the capital city of Kampala. You see there the red dot at the bottom of the central part of the map and right by the lake, Lake Victoria. And so uh, we were there in Kampala, picked up by Brother Basabozi at the airport and spent a day with him and his family there uh, so that we could deal with printing. Brother Basabozi works for us now in the country of Uganda and uh, manages the local printing work there. When I say local printing work, I mean the ability to print individual messages. And we just started the uh, uh, this work with a new uh, type of printer there in Uganda that is more high speed and cheaper on ink and toner and that sort of thing. And so, so that we could become... Uh, more efficient in getting the individual messages out. So there you see we are in the office. I'm just looking at some of the detail of it and, and comparing some of the print quality and that sort of thing. And so uh, Brother Basabozi is in charge of this office. We also have just now formed a second translation team in the Lugandan language. And we... We pay them like we pay the Rwandans or we, or we pay the... Um, People in Myanmar, $150 per message that's loaded to the message hub. This allows them to spend the time that's necessary in the translation work. But yet it's not an exorbitant amount. Matter of fact, it's a very, very, very good price for a translated message. And uh, that makes that translated message available to the world. And so as as much as they're able to translate, they've been a little bit... Uh, I'll say bogged down in translation because uh, Brother Fred has been the main translator. But Brother Fred is also the main hub for the revival. Uh, 
and traveling out into some of the areas, as you'll know. And so he's been very extremely busy, sure. beyond busy, between ministering, teaching ministers, traveling out, baptizing, translating, and different things that are happening. So I said to Brother Bustabose, I says, please put another team together. We need to get more translations done. There's a huge need there in Luganda because of the new believers to get individual messages in their hands. And so the brothers are there. This is his uh, brother-in-law, Shem. He's a young brother. He's as tall as I am and weighs half my weight. And you laugh and say, how much is that? <laughs> I'm not telling. <laughs> but he's a, these both wonderful brothers and uh, sincere, and we pray that God will bless them as they labor individually. And he's, he's put some teams together uh, to and volunteer, very similar to what we do here. So they print the messages, and they get all the pages together, and then they have a team come together to staple and fold them. And, and uh, they're printing right now 500 of each title. Not 500 books, 500 of each title that they have in the Lugandan language. I think they have about 70 or 80 titles, and they're going through that very quickly. They've made a cover, and all of these things are happening simultaneously while we speak to you here. I just have some new information from him even this morning. And so we're very excited about what God's doing there to get the message out. We also have a new shipment on the way. What you see here is boxes of church age books. Uh, on the right... You see two pallets of boxes against the far wall. Those are Luganda church age books. On the left are English church age books. Now there's about a thousand of each. A thousand Luganda and about a thousand of English. And I will say the Lugandan church age books are no longer there. They're gone. Okay, as of right now, the last thousand has been given out of the five thousand that we already printed. And so the English, we still have a num- several hundred left. But uh, right now in China, they're just boxing 10,000 Luganda church age books. And they're also in the pipeline, they have 10,000 Luganda Bibles. I asked the crowd, one of the crowds that I was ministering to, how many own your own Bible? It was pitiful to see the number of hands. That when our brother Mark's been there and experienced the same thing. There's not a lot of Bibles amongst the people that are coming into the message, even though they're coming from other churches. And you might wonder, what are they preaching in those other churches? They don't even have Bibles. May the Lord have mercy on these people. And so there, there's very much that's in the pipeline. Alright, now comes the bomb. The funds that we have raised for Uganda with this next print job, is all spent. It's all done. Anything that we do from now on in Uganda is from new funds that come in. And I just want you to know that. Lest you think that we're still working on the previous pool of money that you gave, and God bless you for giving. And you'll see some of the fruit of it here as we go through what's happening in Uganda. God richly bless you. Listen, if these people were here, these ministers, hundreds and hundreds of them were here to talk to you, they would say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and there's there's no way to to express in words the feeling that you get from them of thankfulness, not just for the message of the hour, but the help that you gave them in their destitute situation as they were just kind of left to be orphaned and and 
scattered and cast out by their denominational overlords and that sort of thing. And you'll see some of the things that here in this testimony. Now, the Lord works in wonderful ways. And God has a way of doing things that are beyond our understanding. I didn't know while I was there that Brother Busabosi was suffering. I didn't know that. And uh, his eyes were bothering him. Though when we were working on the computer and talking about, you know, which messages to focus on and different things, uh, I could see that he was squinting and, and that sometimes he couldn't see what I could see. And, and so I thought, well, maybe he needs to get his eyes checked and get some glasses or something, and that would be our natural response. But I don't think I even mentioned it to him at that time. And then the, that later that evening, he writes me because we had we had been there. We spent a little time with the family. Then we had spent some time in prayer, and so we we prayed together there at his house. And he said, "Brother Tim, my eyes were all teary and very sensitive to light, and it seems your coming to my home took that away. It's been a months-long problem. Thank you for visiting." I can look straight at a bulb now without any sensitivity, and I didn't realize it till just now. I am amazed. He says, funny, but I tried to open the eyes severally towards the light, thinking I was mistaken. And then he said, greatest miracles happen in silence. So he didn't even make his need known. We say, praise be to God. Our God is a mighty God. But just praying together and asking God to bless them and the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in the room just took that right away. See, sometimes you come to church and say, well, nobody knows I'm in need. God knows you're in need. God knows what you have need of this morning. You just hold that before the Lord and say, Lord, you touch Brother Bus without ever telling Brother Tim what the need was. But while they were in prayer, you healed his eyes. And I say praise be to God. Our God is a wonderful God. And those are the great things, the little individual testimonies that just move on our hearts that are that are so touching of how much the Lord cares for us individually. Individually. Don't ever think, well, I'm just a part of Clover Day Bible. No, you're an individual attribute of God. God cares for you. You walk alone with God. It doesn't matter if a preacher up here even knows your name. That doesn't make no difference. God knows you. You know, there are many places in Uganda where there are good brothers doing good works for the kingdom of God. Many places. I have invitations all over the country. And that's not what it's all about. Uh, up in the north part of the country, um, let me just go to the next page. Up in this part of the country, up on the other side of the lakes, I, I might not even have, there's Brother Freeman who desires meetings. Down in this southern part way over here, you've got Brother uh, Philip Bikina. He's been writing me for years. Please come. Over here in Kasisi, that's where Brother James Navanabande is from. And so you see that in that area there, over there on the left. And uh, so you've got all over the country, 
places in Kampala. You know, we, we would be uh, mistaken not to mention Brother Gideon has a good church there, uh, a real lovely brother. And, and, you know, these brothers are all desiring meetings, you know, even when they hear I'm coming to the country, Brother Tim, can you stop by our way? I couldn't. And the reason that I couldn't is because I needed to see, go and see and visit and make sure, uh, not make sure, but but to go and personally uh, witness the places where help has been poured into those areas on the current revival. And so after visiting with Brother Basabozi, he took us over to the area of Sita where we stayed. And then uh, uh, from there we went up Sita the next day with Brother Fred into a place called Nansana, which is just outside of Kampala. Now, I want to report this morning that some of you have given funds specifically for Brother Fred for a vehicle. We want to thank God that we were able to get him a decent vehicle. It's not top of the line. It's not even four-wheel drive. I wish that they had got a four-wheel drive, but... You know, it's it's a few years old. I think it's about six years old, but it's in good shape. And it's a it's a Toyota, which is a quality vehicle. So there's Brother Fred, and Brother Fred sends his greetings to the brethren here, and uh, especially Brother Biscoe, who's not here, but uh, also says thank you for each and every one of you, and you know who you are who contributed to this vehicle. I rode in this vehicle. I say thank you. <laughs> and. Uh, the Lord was able to get us to certain areas of the country that we needed to get to. Amen. So we went over to the city of Nansana, or the suburb of Nansana, which is a suburb of Kampala, a very expensive area. And there, a group of over 200 people have begun to walk in the light of the message. They're, they're getting fairly solid in the message. Now, as we go about these journeys, I, I specifically requested, I don't want to see... I don't want to have meetings in every place because I just won't get to every place. And so I just want to go, I want to see the work, maybe meet the pastor, talk to him a little bit, and then move on to the next. So that's what we did here in Nansana. There's a, uh, the beginnings of a structure here, and uh, to meet the needs of the assembly there that didn't have a place to gather. And uh, here it's on rented land, because the land is much too expensive I don't even have the number in front of me. I'm thinking around $20,000 to buy a plot of land in this area. And so it's very much more expensive than some of the outlying areas in Uganda. But we're able to help them to rent it for five years. And uh, and then we'll see what the Lord will do as they're, they're working on this tin structure that they're putting up there. So after Nansana, we uh, carried on in our journey and went all the way up into the Majira area, which is a place that I've been before. And uh, the church there is, you're familiar with them there, uh, was this building, kind of ramshackle. And uh, they worked in labor to put up a new structure on poles with tin wrapped around it. And there... Uh, it is now finished, and while I was there, and we thank God for this building. So the little church in Majira, I think it's about 75 people. Brother Isaac is their pastor, and Brother Isaac actually works with us to help uh, organize some of the other shelters that we're putting together that you'll see here today. But it was in Majira, now here's a story for you. As we're, let me go back. 
As we're traveling up this road, the pastor is trying to meet us and he's traveling down the road. Now, he's on public transportation. We're in Brother Fred's car. And so when we get to Majira, Brother Fred phones the pastor and says, where are you? He says, well, I'm just south of Majira. And so he says, uh, so Brother Fred says, well, we don't have time to wait for you at the church building, which is a little ways out of town because the pastor doesn't have a vehicle. And he said, uh, we'll meet you in the town of Majira. And so Brother Fred got out of the vehicle he was in crossed over the road and got into another vehicle that stopped by and headed back up to the town of Majura while we're there at the church. And so we went to the uh, the, the town of Majura in order to uh, visit uh, or in order to wait for Brother uh, Isaac. While we're there, this shows you what's happening in Uganda. We're parked on the side of the road. We're just waiting. A man walks up to the vehicle. I don't know him, but I just observe him. He may be about your size, Brother Mark. And uh, he just stops at the vehicle, recognizing Brother Fred. And he, and he says, uh, and they start to talk back and forth. Um, as a matter of fact, it's so long ago now that I can't remember if it was in English or Lugandan. <laughs> but I, or whether it was interpreted to me or whether I heard it myself. But anyway, this is what he said to Brother Fred. He says, when are you coming to my church? And Brother Fred says, well, this week we have Brother Tim here, we have meetings, and and after that, then I'll make arrangements with you to come to your church. And I, I observed the man, he had a Bible in his hand, kind of like Brother John here, and a message book. Okay, so I'm thinking he's a message believer. And uh, and so he he goes, they agree, okay, I'll call you next week, and, and off he goes. And I asked Brother Fred, I said, who is this man? He says, well, he's a Pentecostal pastor. He said, he wants me to come and baptize his church. I'm just in the middle of a revival. I, I'm, just, I'm just traveling from one place to another. We happen to stop. A preacher comes up. He's not only the pastor of about a hundred people, but he has many other churches that he watches over. And just yesterday, he was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, you arrange that. Who, who else arranges those kind of things? We just, we weren't even going to be in the town. You see, we had no arrangements to be in the town. We had just stopped there to pick up Brother Isaac. And this man happened to pa- cross our pathway. And so there, uh, at, at Majira, we, we had a wonderful meeting with them there. Now, I want to highlight this next slide uh, because this is something as we traveled down to a place. Um, I, I can't remember the name of it. I'll tell you in just a moment. But we traveled down here after Majira to go to another place which you saw in September. Now remember in September there were several groups that came in, about a thousand people that Brother Fred himself and the team there had gone to baptize in September. And so this is one of the places. So this was the meeting in September where, uh, and you've already seen this picture, where they were, uh, uh, where they were gathering to be baptized. And there they are heading for baptism. You saw this picture. There they are in baptism. And there we are in that place now. 
just several weeks ago. So Brother Fred just felt there was such a large gathering that they needed to get some tarps together, which they have for emergency purposes, and throw them over a structure of poles and be able to build the people a shelter. As I'm ministering there, and I I don't have a picture of myself. You'll have to take my word I was there. I can show you a picture later if you want. But uh, I was there ministering to these people. As we drove up in the vehicle, now we are literally out in the middle of nowhere. As as these people are worshiping, they're waiting, it's getting towards the end of the day, it's actually starting to get dark, and so uh, as they're just waiting there, and the vehicle comes around the corner, I'll tell you what, those people just started dancing. They just started praising God, they just started rejoicing. I thought, it never happened to me in Canada, (laughs) but you know, they were just thrilled that here the preachers were coming to preach the Word of God. And this is one place that I actually relented. Brother Fred said, you know, just take your Bible and just preach to them. He says, they're just wanting to hear anything. So we, that's exactly what we did. You know, I just, I just took my Bible. I think I had my Bible with me or maybe I borrowed one and I, I just stood up and we just started preaching to them and, and God just had, gave us a wonderful service there as the darkness settled over the place and we just had a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. So praise be to God. You know, if, you, if you're wondering where the money's going in Uganda, it's when things like this happen. You know, you saw in September, a group gathered under a tree, and then out for baptism, and then they threw this structure together, and then there we are just within two months. And God is blessing us with a wonderful time. Amen. We are thankful to God for everything there. And so from there, we head back down to Sita, and that's the end of... Day one of visiting the churches. My, I knew this was going to take a while. Are you okay so far? Praise the Lord. I I feel like these these individual testimonies are important. And uh, let you know, just to get a taste of what's happening there. All right, the next day, uh, we start out from Sita uh, with Brother Stephen. And Bally now picks me up and, and we're heading up to Jinja, which is where his church is, to settle into a new hotel. And if you're wondering, if you're going to Uganda and want to know where not to stay, I can tell you. Okay? I can give you some good ideas of where not to stay. Last, The last day we were in Sita, you might be interested in this. Uh, I got up in the morning, there was no water in the hotel. No running water of any sort. And it was just, here we go. <laughs> we're on the mission field. <laughs> and uh, But it just, those kind of things happen to you once in a while and... I must admit that was the first time that I washed in bottled water. It just happens. All right, so we're in Jinja now, settling into a new hotel. And this one was a little bit of an upgrade over the previous one, though I'll just leave it there. And uh, and But we didn't stop there. We just st- dropped off our bags, checked in the room, and moved on. And from uh, Jinja, immediately up to uh, another area called uh, Miyugi. I think is the name of it. Now, Mayugi is not actually an outgrowth of the revival. This is actually a continuation of the meetings that I had in 2013 where Brother Elijah Diogo and his church, which they had just a little tin church, which he's packed out and, and you know, it's just full of people. You fit a hundred people into a section that's probably not as big as this section of pews right here. All right? Now, if I count... 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight fours are 32. There's probably about less than 40 people in this section right here. They've got 100 people in that section. All right? More than double that amount. Your brothers all move together nice and close. And maybe you can get the African experience here this morning. You know? And, uh, you know, they just pack them in. And so, uh, but Brother Elijah, there's been different brothers around the world that have... Uh, uh, helped to build this church. And that's the reason that I show it. They just finished the roof. And so the, the local congregation has done a lot of work as far as putting bricks together and, and making bricks and all of that sort of thing. And different brothers from different places have contributed towards this building. And so I want to show it. Uh, it's actually bigger than it looks. It's quite large on the inside. They'll probably be able to seat about 500 people. And it's at a main uh, juncture there in Uganda. And there's quite a number of believers in that area. So we thank God for the progress that's made. They're very close to moving into the building, even though it's not finished yet. From there, we, after a brief stop there in Mayugi, we travel up into another place called Nakalama. This was a very interesting experience. I showed you this picture of Nakalama in the beginning of its structure there in that area. And uh, so they were beginning to lay the foundation. And when we were there, this was the result. Nakalama is also another area that's kind of a key central area. Brother Stephen Abali has a good, real vision, real good vision. He says we, we, in certain areas, we build a real good structure so that we can gather the people and have real good meetings. He says, and then in the outlying areas, we just build the local tin structures and, and we're able to, you know, just help to shelter some of the local congregations. But in key junctures, and this is one of them, he, he felt led that it would be good to have a more solid structure so that uh, they would be able to uh, have larger meetings. We did not have a meeting here at this time. However, that didn't stop people from gathering. And uh, so as I walked in, literally, I didn't even take my Bible. Uh, on this trip. And so as we come to the building, I see there's people there. And I said, Brother Stephen, there's people here. Oh, he says, Brother Tim, yeah, it looks like they've gathered and they want to be spoken to. <laughs> I said, I don't even have my Bible. I said, this was not supposed to be happening today. And so, well, nevertheless, we went in, spoke to the people a little bit. And uh, fortunately, we can remember a few scriptures. And, uh, and so... Some of these were ministers here and they said, Brother Tim, we just want to thank you and give you a gift. I thought, well, that's nice. You know, a little bit of appreciation for what God's doing for them. And so they gave me a gift. (laughs) A nice goat. But he didn't fit in my luggage. So I couldn't bring him home. And uh, somebody asked me, well, Brother Tim, what did you do with the goat? I said, well, it's simple. I said, I said, is this mine? The pastor, Brother Rogers here, he says, yes, that's yours. I, I said, I says, I now own this. He says, yes. I said, so I can do whatever I want with it. He said, yes. I says, good. I give it to you. I said, you go and have a feast and invite Brother Stephen and, and, and have, have a great time. And so you can see, I wasn't the only one that was amused by what was taking place. So sometimes unexpected things happen. And you, but you know what? The sincerity of the people. 
It shows their heart. They're appreciative of what has happened in their lives. And so uh, I received it as unto the Lord, and I gave it back to them, and I trust that, that God will bless them abundantly. Amen. So from, uh, from that, that place, <laughs> we go on to another uh, location up further north. We're coming to a place called now Kaliro. This is another central key junction that we're visiting that we'd also put some money into, but it wasn't in the form of a building. It was in the form of a restoration of the building. And you'll remember this structure in Kaliro, Brother Hannington Belita is the pastor there. Great testimony here. And uh, he he's, uh, he had this little structure and he told Brother Stephen early on in the revival, he says, I'm with you. He says, whatever you need from us up here, we're with you. He says, you just, you just say it. And, and, and brother Stephen and I spoke about, it. he says, he says, the wall on this brother's church actually caved in. And he said, but we need the structure. So if we can, if we can restore the structure somehow, he says, it will help us with the outreach in that area, which is Calero District. Calero District has about 30 or so counties. And so we went, uh, Maybe I'll just share the testimony. This is Clearo District here. It, it fills this area up here. And there's been a large uh, outreach into that area. Now, Brother Hannington had prayed for years. Lord, why are we the only church in this area? And why is there so few believers in this area? And he had a, a little church of about 75 people. and But real faithful Love the Lord. Somebody had helped them to build the church and we're very thankful for that. And then uh, God began to move in this area. Not just this general area, but now right in this little area, that little dot you see there, there's more than a thousand believers. Just in the last couple of years. It's gone from 75 to a thousand just in that little part. There's more in the outlying areas, but just in that little part. And so we, we helped them to restore their church. And there we are there with Brother Stephen on the left, then Brother Hannington, then myself. And we're very thankful for what God is doing in that area. And we had a meeting there the next day. It was the, probably my highlight of the whole trip was this meeting. And there you see all the people inside and out. And so these are just the people that could make it because now in Uganda it's the rainy season and a lot of the vehicles were stuck on the road and couldn't get into the meeting. And so uh, they were gathered together. We just had a blessed time in the presence of the Lord. God just moved in a wonderful way. Supernatural things taking place. Brother Stephen shared some uh, shared some testimonies with me, which I, I won't take time to share now because I want to share a few other things. And God just moved in that place in a wonderful way. We praise God. We praise God for the fruit that is becoming mature and solid in that country. So we go in from Clearo, I would like to say we went south, but we continued north. And uh, the next place we went to was a place called Budehi. And there you see more of the standard building that is being built, a tin structure and the, the pastor there in Budehi and the congregation there 
got their little piece of land and a little structure, and for a few thousand dollars, they're now accommodated in that structure. I'll just move on. I'd like to say we went south, but we went north again. And uh, there we went to a little town now, and I'll just maybe give you a little taste. This is what we're dealing with. All right? So we're now on country roads. You don't need to put any sound to that. You can just leave it on the video only. And uh, you can you can see here, we're not moving very fast. So though it seems like we're taking, we're only going a short distance, it's taking us a long time to get there. And so these are, this is one of the main roads into that area. And uh, there you can see a constant supply of potholes, mud holes. Uh, up ahead on the road, you can see a, a truck stopped on the road. He's stuck in the next mud hole. And so we have to get around him somehow. But that just kind of gives you a little bit of the taste. It's beautiful country, but it's very flat. And when it's very flat, the water just lays around. And so because it's been raining a lot, there's been a lot of disruption. And that's why a lot of the believers could not get into the meetings. Because they were like, they're, they were filling up places like these trucks, but the trucks were getting stuck in the mud. So we were, that was unfortunate. But we ended up in the place called Kainfumba, if I say that right. And uh, this is the place that actually, if you get the Believer's Faith Challenge Report, how many have seen the Believer's Faith Challenge Report for this month? All right, about half of you. They're available in by the office on the racks uh, in the central uh, crossway over by the main church office there. You can pull one out, help yourself to that. You not only hear about Uganda and the things that are going on there, uh, you'll also read about uh, China and the latest updates from China, also Ethiopia, print stations, printing, message hub, uh, different things. Of course, the... Uh, the vision of Brother Biscoll as he writes in there and, and all of those things. So it's, uh, you want to avail yourself and read some of the detail and see some of the pictures that I can't even show you. It's tremendous. And really we could put out, I think it's 16 pages. We could easily do 32 pages. We it could easily double it, but cost factors are involved. And so we trust that it's a blessing to you. To encourage you. And so that's where that picture was taken. Was right up in the very north of the country there in Kayanfuba. Uh, of that little group that got shelter because you gave. God bless you. You know my, my heart is with these people. I don't see a bunch of mud daubers. I see the elect of God. I don't care how remote it is. Brother Mark, I could send you over there 24-7-365 to record these testimonies. And don't worry, sister, I won't, I won't send. But, you know, there's a lot that could have been recorded. I'm not a good video person or picture person or that sort of thing, but just to give you a taste... God bless you for getting behind it. I mean that to each and every one of you. And to those that are out over the internet, God bless you for getting behind it. These people are real. This revival is true. It's absolutely phenomenal. And we do not overemphasize it. We underemphasize it. And what's really happening in this country. Our next stop was going to be over here. And I said to Brother Stephen, 
do we really have to? I said, let's just go back to the hotel. <laughs> I said, I got meetings starting tomorrow. I says, if we go there, and by the time we get back, it's going to be well late into the evening. I says, I want to be ready for the services starting tomorrow. And so we skipped the cross-country trip into that area just to be able to go back and have meetings. But we could have gone into a lot of this area here, all the way over to into Cassisi. The revival's just spreading into different places. There's there's Pentecostal ministers from other countries that are phoning and writing to Brother Fred saying, Come and introduce the message to us. That's just God. There's there's no other way to describe it. How is it happening? It's just God. And, and I want to share with you maybe a few more things here. Is this all right? I'm totally out of time. So we head back to Jinja. And we're glad to get back to a bed and uh, a little bit of comfort. I think there's air conditioning in the room, so that's always helpful. And the next day the meetings start, I'm sorry, the next day meetings were in um, Caliro, which I already told you about. And then the day after that was meetings in Kasawa. And uh, Kasawa is a, uh, a place that it, where uh, Brother Don Julius, who has come into the message in the last couple years, has really been instrumental in reaching a lot of these Pentecostal people. Mm-hmm. Brother John, you'd have loved to have been here. You know, this was not a teaching meeting. I would say probably a good 25% of these people had never heard the message before. And, and I was starting to preach and I'm thinking, this is, you know what I'm talking about. This is a different atmosphere. You know, this is something totally different than just preaching in a message church. And so I, I'm preaching away and I, and I'm, I'm struggling. I, I'll be honest. I was struggling because I'm, I'm still thinking message church. And after about probably 25, 20, 25 minutes, I'm thinking, okay, I gotta just move these aside. And and let the Holy Spirit take me where He wants to take me. And we just begin to preach. The brothers in the South would say, I put my preaching shoes on. You know, uh, you, you just start to preach and you just begin to start to deal with things as the Holy Spirit leads them into your mind. Well, God was going out and dealing with people who had never heard the message before. He was dealing with women preachers. He was dealing with men that were preachers. He was dealing with people that had not even been saved. He was dealing with people. And we had a, a time of prayer at the end of this meeting that God just came down and began to deal healings and salvation and different things. Brother Fred has been sending me some of the testimonies. I want to share a couple of them with you here just as we go along. But in particular, listen, I'll just say, where God is, the supernatural happens. It's no different here than it is over there. Sometimes we just get a little, um, what is the word that I want to say? It almost becomes common to us here, the atmosphere. See, there's new believers that come into our services here that are so affected by the atmosphere that is created here. But we're just used to it. We just come to expect it. And we just come and worship God and hear the word and rejoice in that. And it's a great blessing to us. But we don't sometimes realize how phenomenal 
It really is what God is doing here. And the same thing over there and, and this service in particular. Again, people were hindered because of the weather. Uh, there was probably about a thousand people there. Uh, and so uh, we just had a, a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord, ministers and uh, visitors. And the next day, or not the next day, right after the meeting, while the regular people or the lay people were having their lunch, uh, Brother Fred had wanted to have a minister's meeting. And I said, well, time-wise, the only way it's going to work is I'm going to have to go right from the pulpit here, right to the minister's meeting, and begin speaking to the minister's. And I said, uh, in that way, I says, tell the ministers they can take their lunch after the minister's meeting. Because if they take their lunch now, the day goes too long, and then a meeting, and, and etc. I says, but let's just move right into it. And so they consented to that, and we just move right on through it. And so here we are now. These are all ministers. Alright? This is Brother Don Julius's church. And uh, they actually didn't get me a good still picture of this, and so I have to kind of show you a little bit of a video here. And, uh, and so we're ministering to the ministers and, uh, laying out some things. And so they're, they're just, these are all new ministers. All right. Some of them haven't even been baptized yet. So they're, they're just ministers that are just newly introduced to the message of the hour. And, and God has given us a good time with them here. And so we thank God for that. And then as we leave the ministers meeting, we come and, uh, pass by the people as they're loading up to go home on the very comfortable public transportation. This is how we bring them in from the countryside. You rent whatever vehicle you can, fill it up with people, and take them to a meeting. Praise the Lord. And God moves. And so it's a wonderful blessing. And they're just, we're driving by, and they're just all waving. They've had a wonderful day, appreciative of what the Lord's doing for them. We thank God for that. The next day... Or the day after, uh, Brother Fred arranges a meeting with these three people. Two sisters and the one sister's husband. And I want to just share this testimony with you. These women here are women pastors. And they were deeply offended. Because they weren't allowed to come into the minister's meeting. But they sat outside. Now... I didn't know they weren't allowed to come into the minister's meeting. It didn't make no difference to me. But they sat outside. And as I left the minister's meeting, I could see there was a group of women, about a dozen people. I thought they were all minister's wives that were sitting out there. But some of them were actually women preachers. And so, as I walked out, I said, God bless you sisters, nice to see you, and shook a few hands and, and walked on not knowing any of the difference. But Brother Fred told me afterwards, he says, I arranged this, and this is actually taken from a video, uh, and, he, and he shares with me, and they share their testimony here. These two women, because of what was preached that day, had decided, we are stepping aside from the ministry. Because we now realize the Word of God says, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over a man. And so the revelation came to them individually. And they said, we are going to uh, step down and pass the pulpits over to other brothers. The brother you see here beside Brother Fred is actually Brother Don Julius, who I mentioned to you already. Pray for Brother Don Julius. He's just come into the message. He was a very popular Pentecostal minister, had a congregation of about a thousand people. 
He has about 400 now. Many of them could not embrace the message of the hour, but he embraced the message of the hour. And as I said, has been instrumental. And also pray for him because he's single. He wants to get married. He now has a revelation. (laughs) I need to be married if I'm going to be a pastor. And so you pray for him. You might think, well, that's just simple, Brother Tim. No, it's a big thing in Africa. And he's lost a lot of his income and a lot of things as his congregation has, has cut down. He ministers amongst the poor people. And, uh, and so you saw his church structure there. It wasn't anything elaborate. But God is using this brother, Brother Don Julius. I've been with him a couple of times now. I love the man. You know, if you love Brother Fred, how many love Brother Fred? He was here. Just touched our hearts. You'd love Brother Don. He doesn't hardly speak English, but he's just got a wonderful atmosphere. And so just pray for Brother Don. And they're they're ministering to these women. The testimony of these women. Here you go, sisters. This is for you. The testimony of these women is when we were forced to sit outside the minister's meeting, we were offended. But Brother Fred's wife came and sat down amongst us and spoke the right thing and touched their hearts. Wasn't what Brother Fred said, wasn't what Brother Stephen or I said, it was what Brother Fred's wife said. And said she removed all the offense and we wanted to come and share now and, and ask some questions of Brother Fred, which they were doing here. And then God just brought the revelation of the word to their heart and said, we're going to step aside. And we're going to let some brother become the pastor in our church. That, my brothers and sisters, is called a miracle. Sometimes we just want to see physical miracles of divine healing and things. That is a supernatural spiritual miracle. These women have been ministering for years and years. They have congregations. And for them to get the revelation, it's not my place. That's nothing short of the hand of God. Praise be to God. So, so, uh, pray for them. Um, uh, the one in the middle is called, uh, Sister Miriam. And she had been pastoring a church and, and when the denomination that she was a part of got word of what was taking place, they tried to kick them off the property. But the sister had personally paid for the rent of the property. But because the church had paid for the materials to build the structure, they went and stripped it from the property. Real Christian-like, huh? And so they they took down the, the structure that was there, and there's our sister. She's got a congregation, or she had a congregation. There's still a congregation is the point. And they're going to be baptized. And uh, uh, and so there's Brother Fred dealing with the situation. Brought some of those emergency tarps out there. And uh, they're able to put a covering up there so they're able to worship. But uh, you pray for this congregation in this place. That God will raise up a mighty church. And let it be a testimony of the power of the revealed word in the last days. That God is doing mighty things in the country of Uganda. There you see some of the people getting ready for baptism. This next one here is actually the the minister from uh, Nigeria 
who came down to this gathering yesterday uh, over at this other sister's place. And there he was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I have, in case you were wondering, we're going to have a water baptism this morning. You can turn the sound on that one. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Glory to God. Amen. So there, you know, there you see a typical baptism over there in Uganda. A pastor come himself to be baptized and then they're going to go to his church, introduce the message to his people. Many of them are going to be baptized. There'll be other churches that are going to be baptized. The revival continues unabated. Amen. I'll just close with the, uh, with the thoughts of, of here the, uh, we are at Brother Stephen's church in Jinja. Always a large gathering there, both inside and out. And so uh, we just had a wonderful time there with the believers there in the town of Jinja. That day, which was Sunday now, the last day in Uganda, I actually headed from this meeting to the airport to come home. And uh, uh, that day there were 79 people baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So God is doing wonderful things over there in the country. And there's many needs that are there. I'm still waiting on a report of the numbers of congregations that need help with some kind of shelter. Uh, and so we're looking at that. And uh, some of the shelters that we've done, most of them that we've done are all about finished. Uh, and our funds have run dry. And so we just want to say, as much as God puts on your heart, there's a revival happening in Uganda that you can be a part of. And God is doing great things over there. Uh, transportation needs. We're thankful to help Brother uh, uh, Fred and Brother Stephen. We helped to repair his car. And so we're, we're glad that these brothers are able to get around. It's an integral part. You see, we just give them a, a few hundred dollars a month to be able to go out and reach out to these people. Because if we didn't give them some money for transportation and gas and whatever, they couldn't even go out into the countryside to reach these people. That's how poor these people are. But we help them out to be able to reach out and, and we thank God for all the work that's being done by these brothers in that country. Personally, I'm 100% behind them. I have zero doubts about these brothers. And... Uh, uh, you know, it just is amazing what God is doing in that country. And I say that from first hand. There's a, there's a continual printing need, which we'll be funding in Luganda, in English, and in Runya Katara. There's also other places that are coming in, other languages that are beginning translation. This is an ongoing work. We still need MP3 players, but at $30 a piece, a 1,000 MP3 players is still $30,000. And so it's not something that we currently have funds for. But as the Lord provides. How many will believe with me? How many will say faith works as faith expressed? Amen. Amen. And so we have that kind of a need that's happening in that country now. I don't know about you. I feel honored to be a part of this. I'm honored. Think about it, Brother Roy. 
We could be listening to some other church tell us what they're doing and how God brought it by our way. It's kind of like China, you know, and the Bible and, and the different things that take place. Now into Angola and all the things that happen. Why us? All I can say is maybe just because we're willing. Maybe just because we're willing to do what the Lord leads us to do. And so you, you remember those things in prayer as much as God will give you, uh, the ability. May each man, uh, help according to his ability. Thank you. You can put the slides down. We're out of time. But let me just say that in the beginning man was made in the image of God. And that's what we're going back to. He was made to create. We are amateur creators. He was made to walk in the atmosphere of God. We are made to create an atmosphere. In the devil's fall, or in the devil's trick, man fell. And because of his fall, he moved far out of position. But as, and he is tried by politics, by science, by education, even by religion to come back to position. But none of that works. There's only one thing that works. That's the word revealed for your day. That's what God sends to take us back. And I'll say, because we're living in this day, because you're living in this day, God has sent you a message to take you all the way back to what Adam lost. Not just back to the day of Pentecost. There is a restoration to the day of Pentecost. A restoration to an Ephesian age. But it's more than that. There's a revealing that has taken place in this day of the mysteries of God that were not even revealed in the first age. Paul did not have the revelation of them. John was not allowed to write them. But it was written about them in the days of the seventh messenger. The messenger to the seventh church age. You know, I had a brother ask me, he says, he says, isn't the message to the church? I says, no, you don't understand. I says, read your Bible. I said, the, the second and third chapter of Revelation is in red letters. Why is it in red letters? It's Christ himself speaking. And I said, then it says, unto the messenger of the church of the Ephesians, or unto the messenger of the church of the Laodiceans. It's not written to the church. It's written to the messenger. And as the message is sent to the messenger, then the messenger delivers it to the church. It's the messenger that brings forth the word for the age. It's not God sending it to the church as though we as a church can, sense, can, can catch the message. No, the messenger must be there to catch the message. Because the message is to the messenger. And so when the messenger catches the message, he delivers it to the age. And faithfully taught men under that messenger, take that same message and broadcast it across that age. And that's exactly what's happening. That's what happened to you. That's what happened to me. That's what's happening in Uganda or Ethiopia or Angola or any of those places. What is it? It's God sending his message. And he said, in the days of the voice of the seventh messenger, when he will sound forth his message, or the King James says, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery shall be finished. 
All that God had in the back part of his mind. All of the purpose. All that was lost. All that was meant to be restored. It shall be revealed. Hallelujah. That's the anointing we're living under. That's the power of God that's moving. You see, God is not surprised by anything. He knew man would fall. But it's because man fell that God could then make known. Because when we get on the other side, and we'll all say the same thing, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. There's not one of us to say that'll stand up with our head held high and our shoulders back and say, I deserve to be here. Not one of us. We'll just bow our heads and sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. As we sing this from our hearts, what are we saying? We're saying we know God as the supernatural sovereign provider of that predestinated unmerited grace. And the angels will stand back and say, what are they singing about? What are they talking about? They don't know God like you know God. Because God knew there would be a fall. Because God wanted to express Himself as a Savior. God wanted to express Himself as a healer. A lot of us would say, as human beings, we would rather never be sick. Okay, I'm the only one that thinks that, right? No, we're all that way. We would rather never be sick. I'd rather that I never knew sickness. But if I didn't know sickness, I wouldn't know God as a healer. And it's only because of sickness that we know Him as a healer. An angel has never been sick. They don't know Him as a healer. They know Him as a holy God. They know Him as the Almighty, the self-existent One. They worship Him day and night, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. They're in His presence. They're holy angels. They're mighty angels. But I'll tell you something. We know more about God than they know. Because we've experienced Him in a way that only fallen humanity can experience Him. And so sometimes when we, when we go through difficulties and struggles in our life and we say, why did this have to happen to me? Or why did that have to happen? Or maybe something happened to you this week or this month or this year that you say, why did that have to happen to me? It's so God can let you know that the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than any of your circumstances. He's the mighty one. He's the one that provides the answers. We have problems. Okay, I have problems. I have problems. But He has answers. Listen, I've reached a point in my life, and maybe some of you elders have reached this point in your life, where you look back over your life, and all you see is a lot of mistakes. Come on. You look back and say, I sure could have done that better. Or I sure could have done that better. And sometimes I'll tell you what. If I go too far down that road, I get feeling pretty low. Because that's how the devil wants me to feel. But I go back and I say, but it was the grace of God. That brought me out of that. It was the grace of God. 
That brought me out of It's a grace of God that I'm here today because of the mighty hand of Jehovah has led me this far. His grace has led me safely this far. His grace will lead me all the way. It's not my good works. No amount of good preaching is going to make me perfect. As long as I'm in this flesh, I hate to say it, but I'm subject to mistakes. I'm definitely subject to mistakes, but as long as I'm in this flesh, I have faith in God. That He that has led me safely thus far will lead me all the way. And so there's a potential laying within the believer. As Brother Branham says in Easter Seal, the musicians can come. I'm going to wrap this up, but there's a potential laying in every believer. Where Brother Branham says, when this new eternal life dwells in you, it is the potential or the earnest of you being quickened from mortal to immortality. Why am I reading that quote? Because I started with potentials. I started with focusing on potentials. When the, when the word of God comes to an individual, whether it's in Canada or Uganda, United States, it doesn't make no difference, Angola, Ethiopia. When the word of God comes to that individual and there's a seed laying there and it quickens that predestinated seed, the potentials are there. To be quickened from mortal to immortality. That's what I see there. Oh, saints. What I see there is a bunch of people that have a promise. That are going to be gathered on the other side. And they're going to come up to you and say, thank you for being a part of what God did in our country. I'm not trying to make some kind of Hollywood thing out of it. I'm just saying that's real. Listen, I'm over there on your behalf. And I shake their hands. And they come up to me. And they just take me and embrace me. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm looking. It's not me. It's not Brother Tim. It's people standing behind me. And it's the God behind those people. That have put the burden on their heart. To make it a reality. In somebody's life. In some country. Because they deserve the message. Just as much as I deserve the message. They deserve to know about God's grace as much as I deserve to know about God's grace. They deserve to know the truth that vanquishes false doctrine. That will give them the reality of the promise of God and loose the power of God within their midst. They deserve to know that just as much as I do. Brother Brown says, let me say that again. When this spirit has found you, the individual, and has come upon you, It's the potential of your eternal inheritance that God thought of you and made for you before the foundation of the world. That is your potential. When you receive the Holy Spirit of God, it's God's potential waiting upon you that's already recognized you and you're sealed by the Spirit of promise into the body of Christ. He says it's the earnest or the potential The quickening power of your resurrection when you receive the Holy Spirit is then dwelling in you. The potential of it. It says you now are growing on your way to a full resurrection. No tree comes up overnight. It's got to grow as we grow in grace and the knowledge of God. So then I'm going to ask you, if it's the potentials, what's going to loose the potentials? Only the revelation of the Word of God looses the potentials that's in the new birth in the individual. Brother Bynum says in Message Pardoned, amongst other places, 
It says what God's waiting for us to get away from is our traditions and come back under the blood of Jesus Christ where and become the church of the living God where Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, whatever more, whosoever will may come and take of the waters of life freely. That's all God's waiting on. Get out of your traditions. I sent you a message, God said. Get out of your traditions. What traditions, Brother Tim? Your Canadian traditions. If I was in Uganda, I'd talk about Uganda traditions. But I'm not in Uganda. I'm in Canada. United States, get away from your American traditions. Get away from your church traditions. Get away from your church ideas and get into the message of the hour. Because in there lays every revelation that will loose the power of the new birth that is just as powerful as what Adam had. And as God looses that in your life, it brings you into bride condition, brings you into perfect faith, brings you into an atmosphere where the devil doesn't know what to do with you. What's going to lose that power? It's, it's not the Holy Ghost. Uh, and let me say it this way. It's not the new birth that looses the power. It's the new birth that gives you the power. Alright? It gives you the rights to every promise in the Word of God by the new birth. David, how old are you? Eleven. Where's your dad? I don't see him. Maybe he's up here to back me up now. Brother Derek, where are you? I'll say, Sister Debbie, when you leave the service here, David's going to come up to you. I give you permission now. All right? He's going to say, can I have the keys to the car, please? And his dad's going to go, why did Brother Tim say that? But David, by virtue of being a human being, he has a right to drive a car. He has a right to certain laws and freedoms in the land. But they are upon condition. And so David is waiting for the time when he's mature enough to handle the vehicle that he's able to drive. How many of your daughters are now driving, Sister Debbie? Two of them, all right? They've waited long enough. They've come to that position. Now, what does David need to do to get there? Does he need to study hard? Does he need to work hard? Does he need to, does he need to push himself? I just need to get older. If I could just get older. I'll just try harder today to be older. That's not gonna work, is it? What's gonna work, David? You, you just time. And you just eat. And you grow. And you eat. And you grow. And you eat. And you mature. And you drink. And you grow. And you sleep. And you rest. And you grow. And you study. And you grow. You go through education. And you grow. And lo and behold, that day comes up sooner than Brother Derek or Sister Debbie wants it to come. Because someone has just eaten and grown. How do we come into the bride image of the Word? You eat and you grow. And you eat and you grow. And you eat and you grow. It's just that simple. You get born again, the power's laying right within the believer. In the new birth, everything's there that power to transform you into exactly what God wants you to be. 
Now you need to loose the power. Get into the word of the hour. Let's stand together. And let the word become a manifestation in your life. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song they were singing at the at the poolside, at the at the side of the baptism. I have decided to follow Jesus. How many have decided this morning? There's no turning back. What are you following? You're not following a man. You're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. You're following the revelation of Jesus Christ for your day. Read the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Seven candlesticks. But it wasn't about the seven candlesticks. It was about the one standing in the midst of the seven candlesticks. He was the one that the story was written about. And he's standing in the midst of this last candlestick today. Saying, oh, I'm bringing this bride right into position. I have decided.